I gotta just get my mind. I have to have the idea like all scrapped and ready to go. So you ready? Greetings, kings, queens, my dukes and duchess. This is your sister love, Sonia Song B, in the studio Amor. And today we have Sexy Sisters Extraordinaire. That's right. We've got two sexy ladies, including myself, that be three. <laughs> so we are Sisters Extraordinaire Complete Sexy. And we're going to get this thing rocking. So today's guests are Bridgette LeBlanc. Hey, girl. Yeah, you got a lot to, you got a lot to share to, a lot to share today girl well you're looking good and apparently you're keeping it real because you're looking good girl and I'm sure that uh, I think that there's a lot of eye lookers that appreciate it too hey, that's right honey that's all right I'm not hating going to be eye candy she's ready she's ready and we've got sister Carla Bugs welcome hey Thank you for having me. Listen, I am really happy to have you. This is exciting because I don't get to have a sexy encounter with Sisters Extraordinaire Complete. Sometimes I have to be solo sexy. Oh. And we know so that means you got to have extra things. Extra things. But, uh, <laughs> but I have uh, some partners in crime today. So we're going to do it with a toast starting out. It is a bourbon day. Cheers, Cheers sisters. Cheers. Mm-hmm. And with that cheers in mind, we'll start, we'll check in with everybody with the POH factor. That is the pursuit of happiness and share with uh, our uh, listeners and supporters about what you do in a pursuit of happiness to take care of yourself and your wellness and your balance and just to keep it sane and real, all just for you. So, uh, Sister Carla. Um, this week, just in my self-care routine, one of the big things that I do every month is I pick like a week or three to five days that I just disconnect from social media and technology as a whole, meaning I don't check emails, I don't go on social media, um, I forget that world existed and I go back to 1989. <laughs> um. <laughs> here, here. Okay, instead of partying like it's uh-huh. 1999, right? <laughs> I'm trying to disconnect and kind of use that time to decompress and make sure that I'm really grounded and I'm not using, you know, social media can be good and bad. So yeah. I try to make sure that because I do a lot of social media for other companies and I'm right. constantly on it, I have to make sure that I disconnect and take a break so that I'm just not overwhelmed and anxious because of social media. You know, that that's powerful. That's saying a lot. That's saying a whole lot. I mean, I think that's something that everybody needs to take a, a page from that playbook because that's, that is just keeping it real. Uh, social media and technology, you're right, has pros and cons, but it also is proving to be very destructive. Even subliminally, we don't know mm-hmm. how our health is being impacted. And uh, and even not just, you know, our physical health, but psychological, emotional health Absolutely. and spiritual health. There's something in the matrix. Mm-hmm. And uh, we and we're, we're technology has us more so in the matrix because the greater powers from government and the powers that, you know, the, the players, the one percenters, the one that make policy legislation and the things that go under the radar, we're in the matrix Mm -hmm. and you have to selectively know how to pull yourself out because what happens ultimately we're hearing about, you know, numbers of depression off the, 
off the radar. That wasn't the case. Right. You know, I know that African-American people, we, we have a tradition of not telling and talking about things, especially when it comes to health. We have a tradition of secrecy that's passed on generationally. You know, even our uh, ancestors, I don't want to go rambling, but, you know, I think just just being able to step out of the matrix is, matrix is powerful. I think the more we know that and we're aware of it, the more we empower ourselves and not make ourselves just uh, subject to the elements and the other uh, powers out there that really is intends to destroy us. Yeah, so your, your yeah. screen time just really decreased last week. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, no, actually, because <laughs> no, I, I program know. my posts. Okay. So <laughs> if I know I'm going to take that break off, it's kind of planned. And gotcha. so the week before, everything was already programmed and everything. I think the only thing that I had to post on was Instagram. Because I had mm, to. You have to, yeah. But what I did was I posted, and then that was it. I didn't go back to look at how many likes. I didn't go to look at anybody else's page. Get I caught just up. did it and put my phone and down. The- and what the good part for me also, mm-hmm. though, is I don't have to post from the actual platform. Because okay. our stuff is programmed. Mm-hmm. I'm on a totally different platform when I'm programming it. So I still don't have to necessarily look at mm. it social media right i like that you know because usually i mean i'm I'm a little guilty i do things because i it's kind of like when you put yourself out there you have to do something on some consistent Mm -hmm. level but i don't check it i don't check facebook i'll post you know for the podcast and every now and then little things rarely but it's just all these things are so time consuming to try to keep track of everybody else everything it's like okay let me just Put a media thing, whatever, and then then I'm out. It's like let me just dip in and dip out. But it's the consumption because you know how it is when you're searching for something anyway on the internet. How many distractions do you get before you get sidetracked from what you were supposed to be doing? Well, because Google searches are everything you've looked for in the last month down to you. I know. Also. So then tracks you're like, it. Oh yeah. And a, I and did a little want that. analytics, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, you're right. But uh, but I'm stepping away. I'm I'm down for that. I'm gonna have to integrate that in my pursuit of happiness and caring for yes, myself. What about you, Bridget? Well, I've just been on this Fitbit kick. I bought a Fitbit like maybe about a year or so ago, almost a year or so ago. I think it'll be a year in August. And so I was really into the Fitbit where I was like, okay, I'm gonna get ten thousand steps a day. Mm-hmm. And then I was doing that, and then I have some friends, and now so we do it every week, and you know we're very you know competitive about it. And so for the month of April so far, I've just been just on this Fitbit mission. So I'm doing at least on a very mem like. 10,000 steps a day. Oh, girl, that's good. Yeah, girl. Awesome. But um, yesterday I was like, I'm going to get 15. Today is 15. <laughs> so I mm-hmm. went ahead and I got 15 yesterday and I'm mm-hmm. paying for it today. But I normally kind of take it easy on the weekends and I just ramp right back up, you know, for the Fitbit deal. So between doing that and just exercising, doing spin, mm. um, trying to. Oh, girl, you that. own it. So, Especially I'm when you trying. talk about spinning. I love spinning, right? <laughs> Especially when the music is good and yeah. all different types of songs and stuff. But uh, I try to do that at least twice a week. Girl, that's great. Yeah, that's awesome. Get yeah. these thick together. Well, you know, thick thighs save lives. Hello, honey. I know some some people that cross the shores with thick thighs. Okay. <laughs> Okay, yeah. link continent, honey. Okay. 
<laughs> sell on these. Anyway, <laughs> that's another story. Mm-hmm. But, uh, well, I, you know, I appreciate it. Now, for myself, I think that uh, it, I would say just a little bit of time out. I've done maybe just a, a couple of nights instead of I have a bad habit. And I, I joke, but I tell people that my boyfriend, I got, you know, I got a man now. His name is Mac and he goes to bed and sleeps with me and wakes up with me. You know, as I'm talking about the MacBook, <laughs> yeah. right? And that's a bad habit because I realize that, you know, it really is disrupting my sleep because I'll wake up. And it's like, oh, well, let me check this out. Or I go to sleep listening to podcasts. Mm-hmm. And, and then I wake up. So it's almost now like I have to hear something to sleep. Not, I'll turn. Finally, I'm off the TV. But then I'm on the podcast. Like, tell me a bedtime story. Oh, I like, wow. the, like storytelling. Mm-hmm. And, um, and sometimes as soon as I put, you know, the little earphones on, I'm out. But I'm sleeping awkward, you know. So I finally unplugged in a different kind of way. <laughs> I had to put it back down. I said, I had to kick back, baby. You can't be in the bed with me tonight. <laughs> At least a couple of nights I got to put you out. <laughs> and, uh, and I actually felt, you know, and I realized the little things that, you know, it's getting out of these habits that we have to kind of peel away from the habits. And I, I actually felt better the next day, um, particularly because I took on a little part-time job and, it's like, girl, you got to get your butt up and you got to be somewhere. And then, and with you, Bridget, like you said, you know, circling back to what you said, uh, before I had my little slip and fall, okay, it happened three weeks ago, mm-hmm. I was doing well. I was getting up early, going to the gym and doing a little cycling. If, if it's no more than 30 mm-hmm. minutes, just enough to say, I'm doing something. I'm not trying to break the gym or the machines and say like it overnight, but if it helps my legs build up and I'm doing something, I really was feeling good. Mm -hmm. So I backed off of that after the fall. Now, next week, I got no excuses. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to have to get to it. So I did ride the, do the elliptical, like, on, let's say, like, Wednesday for 30 minutes. Oh. And honestly, mm-hmm. that was the first time I had been to the gym. I'm going to be honest, in, like, two years. But look at her. And I just went. You look good, minutes. though. But it's all because I'm trying to, you know, really control my anxiety. And I know that mm-hmm. exercising is a big part of that. So that's why I'm just Wow. Um, making sure I exercise three times. You know what? You are so right. I have to tell y'all something. It's a little secret. Mm. Sort of. I know. <laughs> it's like, you ready for this? Virgin ears? No. <laughs> I put it in my mind when I started going to the gym. I started saying, you know what? Girl, this is your sex. Because whatever anxiety that I have, it's like I'm working it out in the gym. I mean, emotionally, whatever the anxiety mm-hmm. is. But I approach it that way and it's like, Okay, I, I got my fix. I'm good, you know. And then, and then I'm done. It's like if that's what it is. It's like, girl, get it out your pose. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to be reliant mm-hmm. on you know. If it ain't right, it ain't right. And you don't try to force something if it don't fit. Right. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So it's like you know, this is just a little brain shift, but you know, it's like. Uh, Maybe if sometimes the anxiety you have to attribute, well, what are the, some of the factors what, that's causing the anxiety or not helping to release the anxiety? But I don't want to slip and fall. Uh, that's, you know, kind of a little Freudian slip into the wrong place or slip and fall under something I don't need to be under. Right. So I'd rather get it in and, and just shift my way of thinking about it, you know. And that was just something that I, I started adopting an attitude. It's like, hey. I ain't missing nothing. (laughs) 
And there's silence in the room. I know. Is that guilty silence? Or what is it? I have to say silence. <laughs> <laughs> right? yeah. Oh, That's come on, ma'am. And, um, you know, uh, I, I well, called you for how you do it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute, wait a minute now. Okay, Bridget, since you said that, I'm going to put you on the spot. And what do you do, Miss Thang? You busy? I, I keep them separate. You know, I feel that, you know, there's a, a, there's a space for the gym, and then there's a space for other activities that happen outside of the gym. Girl, for sexing. For now, sexing. I'm being politically correct. Forget I'm it. Yes, We're going to spell it out. I didn't say the F-bomb, but just for throwing it out, just... Hey, well, you know, hey, sex and love and effing ain't all the same. Sometimes you got to get it out your system. You get it out your system. Handle that. Absolutely. And you know what? To each his own. Everybody, you know, as long as you know what you need. When you were in tune with ourselves and we're in tune with our needs. But sometimes, sometimes, you know, this is with me because I can be stubborn about activities, mm-hmm. you know, being uh, in certain ways. Sometimes it takes a certain type of aggression to bring things up. It's like, Wow, I guess I needed that, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I did <didn't hear> that. <laughs> you know, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Yeah, whatever it is to bring it, bring it on down. So my doctor just recommended that I would go. I need to go to the. You know, I need to work out at least three times a week. So for me, that activity has been me going to the gym, doing spin, or now it's like me walking. Five days a week for ten thousand calories. I still Ooh. need to work on what I eat. That's mm-hmm. a whole other. I gotta work mm-hmm. on that. And then, but right now, I'm just feeling like I'm. It's a milestone. You know, but me. you know what, Bridget? Since I, I think the last time I saw you was probably let's say a couple of weeks ago. But let's say yeah. compared to let's say six weeks ago, mm-hmm. you well, look different. Oh, do I? Yeah, I'm you trying. do. Your your energy is different. You look different, and which is you know that's a good thing. That is good. Mm-hmm. It's good. You know what? I always say, whatever you're doing, it always takes, it's one foot in front of the other. If we expect things to happen too fast, that's where failure comes. And nothing's instant like Instagram. That's for sure. Well, technology. We want everything yesterday. (laughs) Exactly. You know. Wow. Well, well, and that, oh, well, talking about, since we're talking about, you know, what we're doing on uh, POH factors. So, uh, before you came, Bridget, uh, Carla and I just kind of off the cuff started having a conversation. And I said, well, you know, if Carla doesn't mind, because to me it's a testimony, mm-hmm. I just wanted to bring it up. You know, uh, and it was in light of uh, a woman that lives in my building who mm-hmm. passed. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was shocking how about. I heard about it. Mm-hmm. And she was involved with a non-profit that dealt with youth. And I think they called it the Youth Impact Hub or, you know, something roots, youth roots. But anyway, and she was, uh, I would say, 30-something, wow. you know, roughly Ooh. around 38 or so. And she could have been older. You know, people look good. Brazilian from Brazil. And um, <clears throat> I got an email about three weeks ago that they were having a, a, a celebration for her, you know, a going-away celebration. And... um and it turns out that in November, and it, she went to the doctor. I don't know if she was having a problem with the area or something. She had to have something to make her want to go to the doctor and complain. Mm-hmm. And they told her that she had she was in stage five of endocrinatic cancer. That's stage five? Stage, stage five. And she, she passed in February. So that's what, four months? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Four months. I mean, can you imagine... Um, <sighs> 
being told. Yeah. I mean, that's devastating. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not only, so that means you've got, if you're told you have the next, from that moment that you're told, and that from that moment on, you're thinking, what am I doing? What have I not done mm-hmm. or not completed? Mm-hmm. But it's just the fact, you know, those things that are real. So Carla was sharing, uh, it, it, it obviously touched something. Um, you know, uh, with Carla that we were talking about uh, cancer and overcoming. So I'll just let you share a little bit about that. I think it's powerful. Someone needs to hear it. Okay. It's a testimony. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I was telling you earlier about I'm a cancer survivor. I had cervical cancer. And at the same time, my sister had liver cancer. And during that time, I kind of made the decision not to tell my friends and my family because I wanted everyone to support my sister. I just didn't think that she was strong enough to go through that whole process by herself. Um, And I knew that I was. It wasn't questionable for me. So I kind of wanted my family to really be there for her. And I did, knowing that I would be okay. I had two children. Um, But I really didn't share it with anybody I wanted to remain positive, as positive as possible. So what I did was I kind of more focused on what health um, choices I needed to make and eating better and exercising and just making, living my best life really was what it all came down to is making the decision to really live my best life so that I could be here a little while longer with my kids. That's wonderful, you know, that's, uh, that you could share that story because a lot of people would need to, to hear that. So for me, the other question for you, so the, it's almost like you created a paradigm shift by being absent of speaking on it in order to empower yourself to be strong to get through it. I mean, did you totally just omit yourself just to be selfless all for your sister? Or do you feel that by um, abstaining, it actually helped you to overcome and get through the illness? I would say it helped me to overcome it just because I was aware of what society does. I didn't want people to feel sorry for me. I felt like that was negative energy that was going to be given to me. Because it would have been like this woe is me and then I would have, I would keep taking that woe is me energy in and I didn't want to take that energy in. I wanted to take this positive, like I'm powerful, I'm strong, I can make it through this type of energy. And I didn't think that at that time my family was able to do that mm-hmm. because they were dealing with my sister. That was going to be very hard to make that shift for me. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't going to ask that of them. I let them help my sister and mm-hmm. kind of I told my best friend and that and my boss. And that was pretty mm-hmm. much it. The people I told maybe one other person at my job because I knew I had to and mm-hmm. everybody else I didn't say a word people knew something was going on because I was losing pretty much a pant size every two Mm. weeks so every Friday I was literally going out to buy new clothes because I couldn't fit the clothes I just bought two weeks ago Mm -hmm. so it was evident that something was wrong I just I still refused to talk about it and nobody in my circle asked I guess people Mm. knew well enough that she's gonna go off 
if you ask her a personal right. question. <laughs> because I was a very private person right. before, so... Y'all better leave Carla alone. I don't know. I wouldn't mess with her. I wouldn't... <laughs> you can take your so, chance if you want to. <laughs> no, it was interesting. Nobody even asked. I think, like, my oldest daughter, even they knew something was wrong. Mm. Uh, my kids didn't even ask. They went to my mom and said, like, we think something is wrong. And then she hmm. came to me and said, like, this is what the kids are saying, what's going on. Because, really? you know, my kids live in the house with me. So right. they see some things also that nobody else gets to see. Mm-hmm. So when they went to my mother and said something at that point, I had to kind of say, okay, well, this is what's going on. Mm-hmm. Wow. Because you have to also realize at the same time, my kids are watching my sister mm-hmm. and what my sister mm-hmm. is going through. Mm-hmm. And in my at this point, my sister had passed away. So now my kids are really mm-hmm. afraid that mm-hmm. I'm not saying something mm-hmm. and that I'm going to pass away and leave them and I'm not going to say anything. So mm-hmm. I had to at that point kind of just say this is what's going on. Did your sister have children? Yes. She had a son and a daughter. Mm. Wow. That's, that's rough. So... You know, I don't. Is your family because I know sometimes some of us aren't as fortunate to come from positive families. I'm the person who would be would have been quiet about it. I'm not saying my family is negative, but there is a certain culture where they're not extremely, you know, positive, highly supportive, and I think that's one reason why I choose when I I learned real young as a kid. If there's something I want to do, don't talk about it because I have saboteurs. You know, and and unfortunately, uh, in some black families, there are a lot of negative folks. You know, they they got nothing positive to say about anything you want to do. I grew up hearing that and knowing it, not in my immediate household, but cousins and, you know, aunts, uncles or whatever. And it was just, I don't know, it was just a, a culture of it. But it wasn't until I started getting older and going to high school and you know I was artistic and um you know and it's not like I could go to them and people were going to celebrate anything I did Mm -hmm. it was all negative so you know when it comes to a health issue and I think just customarily now that I'm a grown woman all these years I grew up taking care of myself I would probably be silent about it too again you know if I want to share something with someone I want the person to be as strong as me are stronger mm-hmm. wise as me are wiser because I need that at the same time I'm still taking care of little Sonia the little girl inside and I think that we have that that person you know all of us in us you know when you meet someone there's still the child in them and it could be an area of nurturing that's still needed that maybe wasn't fulfilled you know, um, we just got to do what we got to do for ourselves as long as we recognize it. I think the danger comes when people don't recognize it. Mm-hmm. I believe so. Yeah. yeah. Or are they recognizing and not acknowledge it, still, still denying it. Hey, an addict. <laughs> <laughs> we know that. Well, but that's that's powerful. Thanks for sharing yeah, that. I really appreciate that. That's you know that's it's really good insight and something to just contemplate on. Now, there's a couple of things because our topic of the day, <laughs> we got to talk about you know rolling that tobacco. You know, we got to talk about the sexiness and cigars. We got to talk about trends and 
hip culture and you know first of all i want to i want carla to talk about a little bit about the black marketplace what she does and, and how you got into that and then maybe you know we could segue and, and share uh about the other ventures and exciting and, and stuff, cigars yeah, and, and so stuff as we on. as we uh sip on our bourbon <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, you asked about Bay Area Black Market. I started Bay Area Black Market about three years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, I was a manicurist, and I had started this mobile nail bar, nail professionals. And I had a lot of customers in the Contra Costa area, like Walnut Creek, San Ramon, San Francisco. But I didn't have a lot of customers that looked like me. Mm-hmm. So I reached out to the existing organizations at that time, mm-hmm. looking for somewhere that I could market my business, be it a directory or whatever the program was. I just wanted to get involved with it so that I could market. Um, because at the time, you know, it was a different feeling. The feeling that I had when I was doing these events was not really what I was looking for. That <laughs> wasn't how I seen this go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I wanted more customers to look like me because I wanted to give this sister experience that we were all bonding and that even though I might be working, I would still get something out of this experience every single time and that was missing from the business um, with the customers that I had at that time. Unfortunately, no one returned my call, didn't contact me for about six months. So at that point in time, I reached out to one of my friends and said, hey, I got an idea. Mm-hmm. Um, if I need this, I'm pretty sure somebody else does exactly. as well. Um, I want to start Barry Black Market. I want a directory, and I want to do these marketplace events. And I said, and I need some help. Will you help me? Mm-hmm. And she mm-hmm. was excited as I was. And mm-hmm. she said, okay, you know, uh, somebody else helped me with their nonprofit status to get started. So mm-hmm. it was a lot of other people along the way that helped me start. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say that I started that by myself. I had a lot of other assistants helping me, mm-hmm. uh, believing in what I wanted to do, and they really helped me get started. And three years ago, three years um, later, we're still here. Hey, okay. right on, right on. Well, you know, the need is great. I mean, our our community just seems to be shrinking, mm-hmm. you know, and we mm-hmm. need to do everything that we can to try to help bring and create and sustain first of all sustain numbers Mm -hmm. and then hopefully add and attract you know as california becomes you know just almost pricing people right on out of here amen and (laughs) that's been happening for a while the the uh the exodus yes Mm -hmm. (laughs) has been going on while since uh early 2000s you know, even it's been a wave, actually, because it was a wave in the 90s mm-hmm. when the government closed the uh, military bases mm-hmm. in all over the across the country, but particularly California and in the Bay Area. A lot of, you know, African-American folks just mm-hmm. poof, pow, gone. Mm-hmm. And then the next wave was in the 2000s. Then you had the dot-com uh, dot bus. Mm-hmm. And then by 2007, you had that real estate bus. And now it's just a struggle like crazy, mm-hmm. you know, to be here. So uh, that work in helping people, I think, 
create businesses, sustain businesses, and and also we're going to talk to you, Bridget, about sustaining businesses uh, and also creating jobs. So, Bridget, and we're going to come back to the cigars, but Bridget, because you you've been doing things with the, you've been with the African American Chamber, San Francisco African American Chamber, for how long now? Oh man, since two thousand and nine. Mm-hmm. I had heard about them before, but, you know, I wasn't a small business owner. I was working for other folks, so I wasn't really interested. <laughs> right. Uh, but 2009 is when I uh, received my first contract mm-hmm. uh, from them, maybe my only one at this point, and uh, got involved. And I just kind of looked at, okay, this is a client, but how can I elevate um, my business and get the word out more? So. I completed the um, the order of business, and they had a um, a seat open on the board, and it was all men, right? And uh, we all know that. And I was like, okay. And so the only position available was secretary. Go figure. And so <laughs> and, um, I said, and they had to love that. And yeah, they had to like that. So uh, that was um, you know my way in. And so since then, I've been involved over ten years now, and I've been. Uh, um, event host for our Juneteenth event that we have. I've been membership chair, I'm program chair now, um, board member. And so um, what has happened is we've just, you know, we, we, we've gone through in waves. And right now, I just think with the uh, population of San Francisco, African-American, Black folks, um, it's down to probably like 2%. Mm. Um, there are still wow. um, Black crazy. businesses that need to survive. So right. we've... Um, I'm a true, true, true believer of uh, collaboration because I don't always have the best ideas. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with social media, like we talked about before, you just got to be on it like every day. You just got to (laughs) know what's the new trend. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not as young as I was 15 years ago. So it's like certain things don't interest me as much as they did. Right, right. It's collaborating with these millennials and be like, okay, so how does this work? And so we're just really trying to make sure that we support African-American businesses. We can always um, do better, do a better job at that. But just also making sure that in supporting, we're doing advocacy work. We're also Mm -hmm. um, speaking up for some small business owners who are small business owners and then their contract grows and then they go from having employees and their payroll goes from 5000 a week to 30000 a week. So how do you sustain that? So the people need to pay on time. So, you know, it's just all those things we're trying to make sure they're getting paid on time so their business won't close. And then also just making sure that we are um, fostering new businesses mm-hmm. and things of that nature. So uh, it would be really great to talk to you about, um, you know, what you're doing. I have some people I definitely know that could, uh, you know, could benefit from that. And we can possibly do something collaboratively um, about that um, and, you know, start off with San Francisco. So, you know, I'm I'm just really fortunate to have been doing this long enough and have always connected with people where people like, hey, I think I know you. Hey, can we do this? Can we Mm -hmm. do that? So I'm just really excited, you know, about that. I love it. So we got a match, y'all. Right. Y'all got, that's that's what we're doing. That's just about linking up, okay? That's what I'm saying. (laughs) All right. Well, on that note, we're going to take a a minute break, if that. So don't go anywhere. We got a message for you.
Anyway, so uh, Sexy Sisters Extraordinaire, we are back. And so uh, we've got Bridgette LeBlanc in the house. Hey, hey, hey. I love you, now. Thank you, thank you. Hey, and we've got Carla Bugs. And you must be bugging if you don't know Carla. Okay. (laughs) And we got your sister, Song B, a.k.a. Red Sonia. Anyway, so we want to, on this segment now, we got to go and take a dive into the cigar and bourbon business. Now, you know, I just want to open up with the, the... it seems to be that cigar smoking so smoking is there's a rise on the trend. So cigar smoking is symbolic of status, prestige, success, maturity, discerning of taste. Having arrived, uh, it represents a certain mas- masculinity, sexiness, confidence, self-assuredness. And recently, in the last 10 years, it's become a real bling and baller lifestyle associated so, and I understand tobacco's been around as early as the 10th century or sooner in Hispaniola with the Arawaks and Mayan uh, indigenous people. I thought it was interesting, I did a little uh, look up, but that in 2016, Obama had removed uh, the, uh, the foreign trade policy so that you could import and bring in, in from traveling to Cuba, mm-hmm. cigars that there was a, a a cap of $400. You couldn't bring anything to, that exceeded $400. And Obama removed that. I'm afraid that that's going backwards soon because of the, the new administration. So we're dealing with some shiznit. Okay. Right? Always. So let's talk about the businesses that you're involved in. Oh, the cigar business? Yes, ma'am. I'm a part of Kypra Cigars. I manage the marketing and social media, pretty much customer engagement for the company. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I'm the first black woman to own a cigar manufacturing company, so I hear. So when did that happen? Uh, earlier this year, like just, I'm going to say late really? December, early January. So how many how many people are involved in are you three men and myself right on sis <laughs> and and it's called Piper Cypress C A I P R A cigar oh Cypress so with okay is so there don't a... ask me what it because <laughs> you know what it almost reminds me of Caprina uh-huh. which uh-huh. is the drink the, uh-huh. the Brazilian drink yes. it kind of almost sounds a little bit like, has that little flair to it we have that flair. I heard. Well, <laughs> hello. Well, listen. Speaking <laughs> of Belair, that's what we want to talk about. The, you know, the the new the culture now with uh, the flare of cigars and and uh, where where it's taking. So historically, you know, uh, there's certain icons we've seen from com- comedians to entre- um, entertainment, mm-hmm. primarily, right? So I hate to say it, but I'm just gonna throw it out there. So when it comes to comedians. Past and present, we have Gaucho, Gaucho Marks, mm-hmm. right? Mister, mm-hmm. drug him up, Bill Cosby. <laughs> I hate to say that. Sammy was big. Um, oh yeah, Sammy Davis. That's right. Mm-hmm. The Rat Pack. Mm-hmm. The Rat Pack was big. Yeah. So I would say, you know, in today comedians, um, there's um, DL. DL Hughley. He does cigars and uh, his brown liquor. Follow. He's got his own liquor too. No, but I want him to. <laughs> hey, DL, you need to listen to Sister Love now. Just check <laughs> check us out on on IG now. 
<laughs> Hook me up now. <laughs> we shout. And uh, uh, also uh, Steve Harvey. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, uh, Lopez, Georgia Lopez is big Sandra. on Jake. Cedric entertainment that makes mm-hmm. sense. It almost comes with entertainment, mm-hmm. but you know, cigar smoking comes with suaveness. There's an image and a pers- persona that you have to carry. Yes. How do you think that works with women, uh, Bridget? You're a cigar smoker. Yeah, I actually came out because I've actually been. Uh, you came out of the closet. Yeah, <laughs> because actually I started smoking cigars when I was. In so you on that brown stick now? Uh, Washington <laughs> D.C. back in the eighties. Was it the 80s? Or no, no, it was the mid-90s. And I can't remember. I was trying to remember the name of the hotel that actually um, had a cigar in a cigar bar in their hotel in D.C. Okay. Do you think it's still there? mm, No, it's not. I think they've they've done some other things with Mm -hmm. it since then. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was in uh, radio advertising at the time, so I thought that this would be a good place for me to go and and meet uh, Mm -hmm. folks who, uh, because they smoke cigars and because of the type of jobs that they have, that, you know, I can uh, build my advertising clientele. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you, in order to make people feel comfortable when you're talking to them, you know, to a degree, you know, you have to know a little bit about everything. So, um, mm-hmm. I started smoking cigars, but I was very private about it, um, extremely private. No one knew. It was, I considered it like part of my, mm-hmm. um, my work uniform. Mm-hmm. And it was funny because sometimes I'll go to the doctor and say, do you smoke? I'm like, no. Because <laughs> they were probably talking about cigarettes. They you didn't want to tell them. about cigars. Right. You know? And it wasn't enough. I mean, I might have done it, you know, not a lot. And then later on, I would probably do it uh, probably like twice a year. But this year, I've, I've done it way more than twice a year. Um, mm-hmm. And I just like it. I like, the, I like the smell. I'm really into scents and things of that nature. And I like the smell. I like the conversation. Um, I think it's... Um, it's a male dominant. It's always been a male dominant type of thing, mm-hmm. and um, women that now smoke cigars. I mean, uh, men, I believe, who find it to be quite um, to be quite sexy. Sexy, yeah. yeah. I don't smoke cigars in my house, um, but I do on occasion um, smoke cigars away from home mm-hmm. or on my patio, um, at mm-hmm. least. And I have a couple girlfriends um, who. I've kind of introduced the smoking of cigars. And, you know, you have to make sure that uh, the ash doesn't fall. The longer the ash stays on a cigar, the more okay. seasoned you are. So All right. Burn. So let's talk about cigar <laughs> etiquette then. Okay. So she brought talk about ash. Oh. Carla. So, so tell us a little bit about, you know, are you, uh, do you figure, I mean, figure, do you consider yourself like, since you're, you know, you're an owner. So how depth is your awareness and, and knowledge on cigar, the art of cigar it's smoking? Becoming more and more okay, so tell us a little bit about cigar etiquette. Um, so we can start with Bridget mm-hmm. and the burn. Bridget, so that's right. One of the things that you really want to learn about that burn is so mm. that even long burn comes from being a hand-rolled cigar. So a mm. machine-rolled cigar won't quite burn mm-hmm. the same way if that cigar... And this is what makes a quality cigar mm. also. A hand-rolled cigar is mm-hmm. much better quality than a machine-rolled cigar. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's partly because that wrapper can't withstand the same stretching that I can do by hand. Mm-hmm. So when someone's rolling it by hand, they can get you a tighter mm. roll, mm-hmm. which therefore means a even... Even burn. Okay. So those are going to be your better cigars, and that's what we have, by the way. 
Okay. <laughs> she is selling. She is selling. Selling, 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 girl. And the, the other thing I like to say about a woman who smokes cigars, because I'm still very naive to a lot of it, is that it actually is a great conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the icebreaker, especially mm-hmm. if you're around some great looking men. Um, and you, you know, you kind of have the conversation. They talk to you about it. And then you kind of start finding out about other places, other cigar spots, other cigar events. I know mm-hmm. it's a really huge one in Miami that we're planning to go to this yes, year. Black smoke. Black Smoke. Oh. Uh, yes. Hey, shout out to Black Smoke. Hello. Shout out to Black Smoke. Um, Better get hip. <laughs> and so, you know, just learning, you know, learning all of that. So they've, um, you know, and I'm a part of a couple of uh, Facebook uh, groups that have mm-hmm. to do with cigars, but you have to be invited. Smoke a cigar, or you, they have to see that you're doing it. You you're serious. Like, yeah, you're serious. You can't so. be pretending. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> okay, well, you can't fake it. So, some other uh, famous women that smoke cigars. Let's see. I understand Kathy Bates, Queen Latifah, Queen Latifah. Yeah, Mary J. Go mm-hmm. on, girl. Mm-hmm. Van- keep going. Keep Whoopi. going. Whoopi. Yep. Vanessa Williams. MC Light. Okay, MC yes, Light. Vanessa Williams. Ju- Julia Louise Dreyfus. Yes. Madonna. Yes, mm-hmm. she does. Mm-hmm. And uh, now all the bosses. Yeah, the boss. Well, you, that's the you whole know, thing. The it's part of the culture. You mm-hmm. got to be a boss. Now, the other thing, so hip hop culture in cigars, mm-hmm. big. I think if, if there's not a rapper that has not been seen with a cigar, but I mean, but real smokers, I think Sean Puff Combs, yes. Puffy Combs, Jay Z, mm-hmm. definitely. Kevin Hart, when he made it, I remember he had a cigar and a bottle of shit. A cigar was yeah. probably bigger yeah. than him. Yeah, it was because, probably taller than him. Yeah, too, because the other thing, it's not just bourbon; it's also having drinking a champagne with cigars mm-hmm. as well, too. And I prefer, I love champagne. So I wonder so what kind of cigar is. I mean, uh, champagne is a good match for a cigar. So I understand cigar well, smoking is about flavors on, and matching. Yes, exactly. That's what I was about to say. Mm-hmm. That would depend heavily on the flavor of that cigar. If it's a milder mm-hmm. or a stronger mm-hmm. um, flavor that you're looking for. So there's so many variations mm-hmm. that that's hard to say exactly which one. Mm-hmm. Mm. Because every cigar that you smoke will be absolutely different, even if they've come from the same maker. There's no way to duplicate that twice. So every smoke is different. You saying every smoke in a in a box in a case? Yeah, yeah. Every smoke is different. Mm. I, no two leaves are exactly the same. So well, yeah, that's yeah. true. However, be. but in different regions, my understanding that you know t- tobacco grown in different soil will tend to have uh, lean towards maybe less acidity, more, you know, different things. It has a lot to do with, you know, the, the different qualities, the moisture, the, the soil right. grade, the, the, you know, the climate, the texture, all those things uh, that, you know, get to the real micro levels when you... If it is said that the best cigar comes from Cuba and those people mm-hmm. had to move to different areas in order to sell cigars, mm-hmm. one of those areas being... Um, Nicaragua, which is where our cigars come from. So those people have moved to other areas so that they could continue Mm -hmm. making cigars. Mm -hmm. So you're saying that Nicaragua is the closest match, not outside of uh, Cuba? It is the largest importer. Largest importer? The Dominican Republic will be number two, but Mm -hmm. Nicaragua is number one. Okay. Well, certainly a lot easier to obtain, that's for sure. Yes. Yes. (laughs) We can get them here. (laughs) Wow. So, um, on cigars, so what do you think that, uh, 
particularly now with hip hop culture and, you know, everybody, even if they don't, they're not, you know, in the money, they want to represent. What do you think the lure is? Um, I don't think that it's a popular, it, it's not as popular as, let's say, a cigarette. Well, was, cigarette uh, isn't as sexy. A cigarette was like low budget and a cigar is just kind okay. of attached with wealth and... Okay. Luxury. You know, it's funny if you go back in history, like in the early two, uh, excuse me, nineteen twenties, roaring twenties. Mm-hmm. Now, if you were a cigarette smoker, mm-hmm. you had to have the the stick, the long, the long mm-hmm. stick, and it, it went. It's all about style and culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what's fashionable. So, and uh, we haven't seen that kind of fashion since. But and then, if you were a cigar, you didn't see women really right. smoking mm-hmm. them. But now today, of course, in the last uh, 25 years more so, you know, culturally, whereas in Cuba, it's not uncommon to see everybody smoke cigar or old woman. the fastest growing market mm-hmm. of cigar Out- smokers right now. In the U.S.? Mm-hmm. Okay. Period. Okay. Women are I know it's big smoke. in Cuba, but it's so just it's common. The, it's the fastest growing population mm-hmm. right now. Well, you know, back in the day, and I mean back in the old country in Mississippi... <laughs> <laughs> my great grandma uh here's rise up and send love and light to uh mama lula neely you know he dipped that snuff you know that wasn't uncommon you know and, that's right we gotta big them up big them up <laughs> and that was the thing i wonder if you know other than baseball if snuff dipping you know and whatever you know become popular if it were associated with blinging and money I tell you, nothing's off the table. I don't think so. Ah, that's that's just not <laughs> sexy. Sexiness. That's just not <laughs> having some. I mean, how do you spit? You just spit. There's no. Yeah, there's, there's no nothing. Way to well, wait a minute. You know, you would have that cute little can of the little cute yeah. little can of snuff. No. Okay, now now nah, on that note, <laughs> on on vanity, I gotta say this: cigar smoking. Now, honestly, and I need this. Mm-hmm. This is a real true question. Now, if you're with a mate. Or you're now, and you 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 appreciate cigars. Now, the longer and the older and the more mature the cigar smoker becomes, do you think that there's something sexy in that? Have you ever seen or observed, or do you know anyone very close and personal that has been a seasoned cigar smoker twenty five plus years? Would you live? There are some living, my dear. I have to tell you. No, I'm, I'm just being funny. But no, um, I think most of the people that I know, honestly, have mm-hmm. started smoking cigars within Recent the last rest. 10 to 12 years. And How about so you, Virginia? I don't really know anyone that's been smoking cigars for 20 years. Um, I, like I said, I came out of the closet, so I didn't. no one even knew that I was smoking cigars. So none of my friends, people who I knew, even smoked cigars. You smoke cigars? Uh, I, I'm not, I don't run out and have to have one, right? Right. but I appreciate okay. a good cigar. So I do. I don't know of anybody that's really been doing it for 25 right. plus years. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know some people that find it as a hobby and they have to do it every day and so on and right. so forth, but that's what they do. So. Oh, so wait a minute, as a hobby or do they do it every day? They do it every day. Sure I do day. know people that do it every day. I would say that they've been doing it for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Uh, how can I say this? But I do, you know, as I'm sitting here, I'm thinking, when was the last, when was the first time I actually saw somebody smoke a cigar? And I can remember being a little girl, um, they would have the, the, the older men smoking cigars, but they were suited and booted though. Mm-hmm. They sitting outside, 
with their brims on, white shirts, slacks, you know, clean shoes. But see, back in the day, you know, when you sixties, yeah, but but I'm just like man. Well, that's what I'm saying. But that was the old man. That was. But see, back in that day, look how they dress. You know, you had to have the fedora. You Mm -hmm. had, you know, there was. It's all about style, Mm -hmm. car, class. It's culture. Definitely, it's it's, it's a culture. Entire lifestyle, right? Mm -hmm. Now, to me, with hip hop culture. You know that they're they're wearing you know the tight pants, and, but they're still hanging, and you know, and it's just mixing you know the style. And you can integrate class and flair to me with cigar smoking and bourbon drinking and whatever. This it's not just you know taking a Hennessy and taking it to the mouth. That's part of hip hop culture too, and that represents a certain status for some. But it's also the homies doing it too. Right. But I think that you know true cigar culture. There is a, a certain lifestyle and class with it. And, and even within that that uh, appreciation of cigars, the, for those who are on the high end that can afford the big, you know, the mm-hmm. big to it. And I'm going to say this. Anybody know who Frank Tagami is locally in Oakland businessman, property owner, developer? Yes, yes, Okay. Yes. He's a big cigar a smoker. Yes. In fact... Back in, uh, let me see, when was that? It might have been in early 2000. It was a nightclub called, I think, 17? It was on 17th Street in, mm-hmm. in Telegraph. Mm-hmm. He had a he had a humidor, humidor, humidor. in there. In there. Because he loved cigars. And I thought, oh, this is swank. Mm-hmm. This is swank as hell. <laughs> now, you don't see, and then, then there used to be a, uh, a cigar shop with a humidor, and, and they would have mixers because they did wine tastings with the cigar smoking mm-hmm. and that was in Montclair and but that it's gone laws and you can't it's you, gone you yeah. can't smoke inside of mm-hmm. a well they they had an outside anymore no but so they had an outside purposely so they had this wonderful red deck outdoors i mean it was the coolest place i thought this is like so tucked away and cool but i i wonder so here's the thing. It wasn't too tucked because it was. There was used to be a restaurant called Le Blancs in Montclair. Well, mm-hmm. you're from mm-hmm. San Francisco, yeah. and um, it was just a few doors down on that little street, that, street, that little yeah. hill. I think it's Medeau. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, bottom line, what I'm really leading to is that you know there's a lot of social pressures and political pressures just to own tobacco. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! It's 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 tremendous now. Girl. You know, from vaping to everything alcohol um and tobacco like i would have never imagined the complications and how difficult it is to start these businesses mm-hmm. it's no wonder they make it real African costly Americans are not in this space mm-hmm. they make it so costly it's costly right every single piece of the process has to be approved by the government we're talking about your label but how much money do we generate in those industries? Oh, it's all us that mm-hmm. sell it, that yeah. buying alcohol. Yeah. Like most clubs mm-hmm. are us. Like mm-hmm. we're nightclubs. Right. We are Hennessy. Mm-hmm. We are some. Oh, of these right, brands. right. So when you think about, we are some of these mm-hmm. brands, but we are not the people behind these brands. We right. are starting spirit companies at the same rate. Is everyone else? So mm-hmm. that yeah, was one of the from that breweries CG, and microbreweries and all of that. That mm-hmm. was one of the reasons that CG was created is because JD had felt like we mm-hmm. spend the most money in spirits, but I agree, uh, we don't get any of this money, back, right? So how can we get into this space, right? Thus the history of uh, Jack Daniels, mm-hmm. you With know, which is the, um, I forget his name, um, um, Uncle Nearest. 
Uncle Nair. Because Uncle back Nair. in the day when I was selling radio advertising um, for the Boston Bay, was it the Boston Bay? Yeah, the Boston Bay, KDAA. You know, we, uh, the advertising. Oh, I remember that. Uh, me too. 13, 13, <laughs> Yeah, so, you we know, I remember. That. I know, I know. <laughs> so, you know, back in the day, was Anheuser, was it Anheuser Bush? Or what was Anheuser Bush, probably. The beer. It was a bit Anheuser Bush. Probably was. Yeah, and that was. You know, they spent a lot of money on, on advertising that was in the African American, you know, oh, well, right. and yeah. it was I just like my grandparents drank coolers, um, religiously. Did did they smoke cigarettes? Um, yeah, remember the red. remember parliaments, the old lucky larks or luckies and larks. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was the old school. But I you know, I think Virginia the, Slim. I think the oh yeah, I remember that. High people school. that smoke cigarettes. It just never really. I, I, you know, we'd say okay, cigarette smoking sexy, cigar smoking sexy. I really think that it has to do with like the marketing and the advertising and how cigars are actually marketed. When you know, when you're when you go to print, but you don't you, really see cigars being marketed. You do. It's well, no, end. not the individuals that. Yeah. So, so you're not going to see it. Well, let me let me say that. But well, okay. So I'm a I'm a media major. When I was going to Cal State mm-hmm. East Bay Hayward, mm-hmm. and uh, I actually uh, was in journalist class mm-hmm. and wrote for the newspaper. And my professor was a uh, was editor. The pine. Listen to you. Go ahead, girl. She remember. <laughs> okay. Still around. Still around. Big up the pioneer. But uh, he was the editor, a uh, major editor for a Cigar Aficionado. That's when I first became aware of. And so I was always looking and observing how cigar, because first of all, that magazine to me, yeah. I said, oh, I'm all in with yeah, this. Nice. This is classy. Mm-hmm. This speaks to me. Mm-hmm. And I thought, mm-hmm. I want to go work for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so ever since then, I really watched, followed. And then when they were no longer around, now they, they have online presence, mm-hmm. but that physical magazine. They still have, they still have you can buy it. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, okay. They yeah. It, I thought they so. They send it to the barbershop. Yeah. But it's not that thick anymore. It's still thick. It's still thick. Yeah. Okay. Because there was a threat. I think they went away for a minute and they came back. Yeah. Because I see I see it online, but I didn't see that. Okay. But what I was saying about the advertising, though, it's just that, you know, when you think about cigarette smoking and, and, and how it and how, how it's everyone, marketed, how it's marketed and yeah. everyone thinks, oh, if you smoke cigarettes, it kills you. Mm-hmm. What the tobacco industry has done around cigars is they make sure that they're not even on that way. Well, that's why they don't, they don't. Promoting mm-hmm. unhealthiness. No. So it's just. Because it's really not targeted under, for common, targeted common for, population. Yeah, right. but it's still, you know. And it's then, not for general. It's not for general. general. No, it's exactly, not. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> No, it's not. They, they don't need kids standing on the corner with a big old stogie hanging out on they the corner and you know, all that. Yeah, unless they go to the liquor store and buy well, them, but, right, the, but they don't hesitate right. to get the black and miles now. No, they don't. Right. Yeah. You know, so I don't know. I wouldn't but say what they won't is do. Is that going to, it's a cannabis accessory. I think it is. A, they a mix black it. Black is a cannabis accessory. Yeah, but they mix it. Just me and a cigar. Yeah, they mix it. Their their intention right. is to sprinkle and mix the and cannabis in with whatever. Yeah, yeah, they true. That's part of that industry. And that's the true. Mm-hmm. That are produced to make young. They're promoting it. Want them a lot more. Yeah. Yeah, it's like getting a Cisco. I mean, you know, it used to be. I know that's going deep, but uh, <laughs> so <laughs> so. Uh, so let's see. So now at this point, with the way things are, like getting back to how there's all these restrictions and 
limitations and like when I moved here you know I I would smoke I used to smoke cigarettes not as a real smoker Mm -hmm. I was like when I had a a drink in my hand partying for some reason that's when I wanted a cigarette that's just when it came Mm -hmm. and then I moved into the condo and honey, H O A, hail to the dog. That would be homeowners association. <laughs> <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. home office uh, availability. I don't know. Whatever, what you can do it in your house. Yeah, yes. you know. I mean, that means like the pool area is off. They, you can't even barbecue. So you think they're gonna take you? Have you? Wait a minute. And so I was like, I have friends. It's like we gotta go out on the. Um, now listen, now you smoke weed on the inside, and if I want allows uh, cigarette or cigar, cigar, mm-hmm. cigarette or cigar mm-hmm. smoking on the inside. But we know stuff gets in your, um, mm-hmm. you know, your mm-hmm. furniture mm-hmm. and your materials, and you can't get them out. They're gonna over period, just like cooking. Yeah. If you cook heavy all the time, you're gonna have the smells. And when you go yeah. into a senior person's house, you know, grandmama's mm-hmm. house or whatever, that's mm-hmm. it is what it is. is. Definitely true. And back in those days, you could smoke anywhere. But there's the social pressure around it from all the other anti this group and anti that that you know cut off your availability where you can smoke so it's like you have to have specific place so where are some good places first there's safe places and where are good places other than in your own home i was just about to say my safest place is my house and i kind of smoke at home Mm -hmm. um for the Majority, oh uh, yeah, I'll say ninety nine percent of the time I smoke at home. Mm-hmm. Um, either sometimes I'm in my garage, sometimes I'm in my living room. Um, like Bridget said, sometimes I'm on my patio. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I'm walking down the street, just taking a walk, walking, mm-hmm. looking at the ducks, and, <laughs> and just walking and smoking. But I also have noticed I have neighbors that smoke cigars. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? So it also has become this thing of connecting with my neighbors, which okay. are guys, mm-hmm. by the way. Um, but. I just, you know how you just kind of notice some things? Mm-hmm. I noticed that the guys near me, they smoke cigars and they actually smoke outside. So mm-hmm. now I want to go outside and say, hey. Okay. How okay. How you doing? <laughs> how you doing? <laughs> how about you, Bridget? So the patio for me, I think I've, I hit the stogie like twice this week. I think it's once this week or once last week. And I have to be, you know, I'm like, oh my God, I'm coming home. I'm just craving that. And I'm like, hey, what's that about? That's a whole new, something's going on here. Like, <laughs> this is not, I've never done this before. Mm. So it's normally at home and I just, you know, want to think and just think about it and reflect. Mm-hmm. Um, I have mm-hmm. gone to a couple of spots in San Francisco. Um, the, cigar, the cigar bar is one of them where you can just smoke into your heart's desire, you know. Mm-hmm. They serve drinks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They serve drinks and stuff there, yeah. <laughs> and then there is, um, I, I have a homegirl who has a really great backyard, and so sometimes I roll over there. Oh, and you just sit back and chill out. That's because what I'm talking about with some sun, sun yeah, going it's a lot more intimate, you know. I like that. So, um, you know, it's almost about, like you have to create a culture yeah, with, to, and, and invite people. The other day at a fire pit because I'm thinking about putting a whole fire pit on my patio. Yeah. Okay. And the ambiance. You can like literally. There's a pond with ducks and stuff mm-hmm. right below the patio. Right. So I'm thinking okay. about if I buy a fire pit, I can create. Some you know what? I just saw a nice fire pit right around the corner at the grocery outlet. Mm-hmm. No, cute. You know, nice little iron one. Mm-hmm. If you have this little space, mm-hmm. it's not too big. I thought they. I'm That'll a, be cute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sex. cute as hell. Mm-hmm. 
It's all about sexiness and suaveness. Mm-hmm. I love this suave. I got to go to Cuba. Anyway. <laughs> are they really? Because Cuba, everything going to Cuba is Well, but I did hear that it, what was the word that a friend of mine used? It's for travelers. It's not for vacation. Okay, that's a good word, dude, I guess. Right, when she said it, I was like, that's, that's a good an word. excellent way to put it. You know, my friend Jeanette went uh, mm-hmm. to Cuba in, right. was it January? Anyway, she came back with withdrawal with PTSD. And she said everybody in her group, it was a great Bay Area group that went, mm-hmm. they came back uh, feeling depressed, depression. And uh, and it was because of coming off of this trip because it was there was there was such a strong spiritual and lifestyle and love connectivity. The people expressed such love to you. They so willing to quickly to bring you into their culture mm-hmm. from the food to the romanticism on every level of their lifestyle and existence and being. It touched all those people and they the, the group most of them stayed in connection. And she said. You know, it's like, girl, I'm, I'm, it's like, I'm not the only one. She just like went into a crazy mood. She said, it's like, I just can't be me. And then I said, on the other hand, I said, I understand the withdrawal because if you've ever gone someplace, you know, to a, uh, mm-hmm. a foreign country, which is really when you can appreciate stepping outside right. of the U.S. Mm-hmm. and getting and seeing things from different perspectives and get in, mm-hmm. in, in a place away from technology mm-hmm. for change mm-hmm. and all of the other BS. And say, damn, this is just bringing life to simple elements of love and appreciation and opening your eyes and your senses, you know, from your taste, your your mm-hmm. smells, you your know, touch, some of us, that's everything. What we, what we had before mm-hmm. technology, so mm-hmm. we haven't lost yes. that. I think it's different for the younger generation because they have never really had that in those of us that are mm-hmm. older. We grew up with that. Mm-hmm. So for me, I make sure that I keep that mm-hmm. in my life because mm-hmm. that's how I raised and so oh that's important abnormal mm-hmm. when i succumb to technology is your family from oakland they're from louisiana oh are they mm-hmm. okay did were they farmers no. any of them they did anybody grow anything the mattress company no. oh they were business oh they were business <laughs> they were people, business people. Mm-hmm. okay touche <laughs> it got sold I, I from what i understand it got sold to Sealy. Really? Mm-hmm. You know, I have to think, this is diverting a little bit, but I love that show, Queen Sugar. Mm-hmm. Right? Because it's I just the principle. Somebody <laughs> just said it to me the other day, and I was like, really? She was like, yeah. But the only difference is that it's not Southern tobacco. Mm-hmm. It's, it's outside the country. But on the other hand, you just made me think of something about, oh, uh, a friend of mine's sister who... It's funny because one of the the client referrals that I have for a business loan for the jump stop, this is a sister who is getting in. She's in, already into the uh, wine market mm-hmm. distribution. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to her, taking her in, taking, we talked a few times. And I said, you know, it's funny. I said, I have a, a friend whose sister and uh, her husband are, have been wine importers, particularly from South Africa. They were on the cover of uh, Black Enterprise magazine probably about, you know, seven years ago. And uh, I forget the name of it, but the, particularly South Africa. But she said it. I said, Selena, I can't think of her husband, of their last name. And she says, that's who I buy my wine from. <laughs> it's like, but, you know, I want to do my own thing. I hear you. You know, because, you know, when you're in that, because they she particularly deal with smaller uh, wineries that, you know, uh, that aren't 
all that are try to they try to deal with people of color, mm-hmm. but small wineries. And mm-hmm. I, I I love it. I love There's the idea. A black woman here in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. Um, I met her. What is her name? I think Alicia. Mm-hmm. And she runs the wine or and that's where oh. she runs all of her wines out from. No, that's her. That's the person I'm talking about. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's her. So I think it's wonderful. So listen, this has been, so anything that you want to close on the sexiness of, uh, since we are sexy, sisters, <laughs> extraordinaire, circle, sexy, and on uh, sexy black women and cigars and bourbon. What what do you want to, so any events coming up soon? You know, I, I was talking to you guys before we got on. I, you know, as a season event planner, um, I am trying to put something together around cigars, uh, some type of event around cigars. Oh, and so okay. Um, it's going to be a little work, it's gonna, um, but I, I definitely want it to be something um, a little bit different. You guys um, will have to connect on Definitely this. have to connect Have some products that. and... Yeah, so uh, I just have to try to work out some, some details, you know, on that. Um, so what is this going to be, the bourbon boobs and... <laughs> I don't know what the title is going to be just yet, but it's going to include fast cars, nice looking men, women that are voluptuous. Um, Hello, cigars, that's me. You know, <laughs> sassy, assy, you know, and full of classy. Sex definitely uh, sells on all on all levels. So, um, yeah, I just got to try to work some other some other details out. I think it's going to be called a three B three Bs plus C, but I got to figure it all that out. <laughs> Uh, so, um, but yeah, so speaking of something that's coming up really quick, Mm -hmm. um, the, uh, there is a big black brunch that, um, is done every second Sunday, um, in San Francisco and it's Mm. in collaboration with the, uh, San Francisco African American Chamber of, uh, Commerce. Mm -hmm. And, um, we make sure that we make registers ring at black restaurants. So there are approximately like 12 black restaurants in San Francisco that are owned, believe it or not. Great. 2% oh, population. Wow. And um, on, on that note, tomorrow we'll be at Little Skillet. Okay. Um, which is in San Francisco. And that's from like 11 to 3. Right on. Okay. Mm-hmm. And last I month. I did not know that they were black on. Well, there's a, yes, there's a whole story behind that. Yeah. I have okay. to get clarity on that. Yeah, that. there's some history with that. Um, <laughs> there's a percentage of that. Okay. okay. No, Got yeah. it. Um, we need to know that. Though. Yeah. And yeah. so then also last month we were at Kea. You know, and, um, with Nigel, and he also, oh yes, yes, um, yes, yes. Kaya, Kaya. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. Kaya. And Kaya means weed. Weed, yeah. That's a yeah. So he has a place over here in Oakland, as we know, uh, Kingston. Oh, Eleven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we have a few more places that have definitely opened up in um, San Francisco. So we do that every second um, Sunday of the month. Okay. And then every second Friday of the month, um, the chamber does like a TGIF network mixer. So we'll be doing that um, in collaboration with a few other things that are happening. So I'll make sure that I'll keep you abreast. And you give me that information. Yeah, for sure. I, like, definitely it's all about collaboration. Absolutely, yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. Carla, anything coming up? Um, anything you want to share? Budget, because, you know, very black market, we do our marketplace events. I don't think we have anything planned that we're marketing right now. Um, the bourbon company, of course, is launching. Mm-hmm. The cigar company 
we're launching but we're wholesale so that's a different market Mm -hmm. but i also do run um beauty and bourbon you can find us on instagram at beauty and bourbon Bourbon. i love it okay and we are an experience um company that we do events for booze beauty and cigars we integrate the three of those Mm -hmm. events um and we do small intimate events around spirits okay and cigars right on definitely want to talk to you about that (laughs) there you go hey it's all you know kind of in the same it's definitely in the same lane Mm -hmm. so uh are there any i this is something else on the the last little segment this is only a couple of seconds couple of minutes uh always like to mention if you have a shiro someone that's present past that you respect honor for her work or anything that she's done anybody that uh you want to uh give honor to or or bring recognition to the rest of the world? Yeah, I have one person. I um, uh, pulled up another quote of hers before, you know, we had a talking point. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Um, And so check this out. It says, all you need to do is organize your butterflies. Mm. And I thought, wow, um, as being an entrepreneur, Mm. as being a black woman, you know, me, like everybody who looks like me, we all have butterflies yeah. about certain things. And yeah. so, um, uh, that's a quote act- actually by uh, Dorothy Height. Okay, and, right on. Um, I just you. felt that, um, you know, that was a, a new one. I mean, it's almost, a, I may make that a tag of mine. We all need to organize our butterflies. And I, I think it just gives us, when we try new things, when mm-hmm. we step out on, we step out and we do things that are, you know, different or, it may not be real popular, you know, we may not get a lot of likes in the beginning, mm-hmm. but, you know, knowing that we're going to have butterflies is, it's a normal thing. And then actually making sure that those butterflies are controlled hmm. and that they're minimal, that they're very minimal. And that from that, we remember, oh, I got that butterfly feeling. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and do it. I want another butterfly. So you keep <laughs> wanting to have more butterflies, the more you, uh, you know, you can pollute you know, your greatness. I thought that was really cool. That's awesome. I love it. I love it. Did you have one? For me, my Shiro lately has been someone I just actually discovered. Okay. Her name is Bessie Coleman. Oh. Bessie Coleman was a manicurist. Was she really? Uh Uh-huh. She was a manicurist, and then she became the first African-American woman pilot. Wow. I saw Um, a play about her. Yeah. So, she was a manicurist, and she became a spy, like, listening to the people who came (laughs) into the salon. She was getting all the info, doing their nails. Right. And then she went on to become a pilot. But why she's my shero Mm -hmm. is just because I think it's just amazing that the same woman who is a manicurist could become a pilot something that it yeah. makes me feel like we can accomplish anything mm-hmm. that we want. Mm-hmm. Like when I, I read it. the struggles that she had to go through, no one would even accept her into school mm. to become a pilot and all that it took. That's awesome. To actually um, just keep persevering and make it through that whole process mm-hmm. that she became my she Wow. Well, there we have it. Dorothy Hyde and Betsy Coleman. And they're awesome sheroes. Just says, you sisters are sheroes. And someone will be mentioning and calling your name out (laughs) as icons. So, ladies, this is the last thing. And I want you to both to tune in. Five things. Okay? And we got 60 seconds. It is called 60 seconds, one choice. Okay? So, just give me one answer. 
sun, moon. Bridget? Light? No, just just say one. Which is your choice, sun or moon? Oh, moon. Sun. Okay, eucalyptus, lilac. Eucalyptus. Eucalyptus. Mountain chalet, beachside cottage. Beachside, beachside cottage. cottage. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Idris Elba or uh, Tyrese. I'm taking both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why not? You would be greedy. Yeah, why not? <laughs> All right, y'all. Thanks for checking us out. It's Sister Love. Uh, Be sure to uh, check us out on Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, uh, uh, SoundCloud, and also Spotify. Uh, We look for you to uh, check us out next week. And uh, be sure to give us five stars. Thanks for listening. Bye, y'all. Bye. Bye.